Well, I pray that everyone had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. You know, and, and there's, as I talked about last week, there's, there's always this debate. When is, it, when is it okay to do the Christmas decorations? There's people that, I mean, it turns November and they're already putting up Christmas decorations, right? And there are those that, that uh, wait till after Thanksgiving. I saw somebody posted it online after, after Thursday, said, okay, now you can put up your Christmas decorations. Well, maybe no matter which camp you fall into, it is. It's time to begin to shift gears and look towards Christmas. And, and this week as I was getting ready to, to, to speak and put together what I felt God was laying on my heart, I, I was, my every intention was to begin to transition towards Christmas. But I know what it's like when I'm trying to make something happen and the difference between that and when the Lord is speaking. And so, I, I, you know, it's like obviously you have to get ready, and I'm not one that likes to wait till the last minute, so I was working. I, I had some things I was trying to put together, and it just wasn't coming together. And I woke up Saturday morning, and I am not a Saturday put-the-sermon-together kind of person. But I woke up Sunday morning, and there was something that was just on my mind that I couldn't get rid of, and I've learned that, that when that happens, to begin to sit down and flesh that out, and that's when it began to roll and began to happen. It's like, okay, God, I get it. I get the message for today. See, one of the things that hit me that we don't hear much anymore, this was really on my heart, when was the last time you heard a message preached on the rapture? Because we get so caught up. Everything we see today, and I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing anybody because there is a value to that, but everything we see today is all about what will help make your life better here. And Jesus does that. Make no mistake. You ask Jesus to come and be the center of your life, you will have a better life here. But that is not the final goal. That is not the purpose. His goal is to get us ready for that thing that is coming that we refer to as the rapture. Because his focus is eternity. Matthew 24, 27 says this, For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so it will be with the coming of the Son of the Man. Think about that. In a flash. So I came up with the title today, Ready to Bolt. <clears throat> in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, Scripture says. And we're supposed to live our lives ready for that moment. But so many times we don't. So, so what about the rapture? And I was thinking, I wonder even how many people of, of the younger generation coming up even knows what we talk about when we're talking about the rapture. I think it's something that has been neglected and not talked about as much as it should be talked about because there will be the day that that will happen. And it's closer than ever before. And I thought it was interesting, you know, no matter how you put it, even if you say, well, we don't know the day or the hour, it could still be a thousand years from now. Maybe so, but it's, that still means it's closer to today than it ever was before. 
And I think it's interesting that the more we see things change in the world, the more we see things going on and, and turning around us, the more we see the things that are shifting the way they are, it seems like it's interesting to me the less we talk about end times, the less we talk about the rapture taking place. See, today's headlines, we can see prophecy being fulfilled over and over and over. There's, you know, really, there is nothing left that is in the way of his returning. So I began to think about that, and my mind went to Matthew just a few verses later, verses 33 and 34. Jesus was talking about the end times, and he said, So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near. At the very gates, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So what about this thing we call the rapture? Now, every now and then I talk to somebody, I say, well, the term rapture isn't in the Bible anywhere. That's true. It's actually a Greek word that means to be caught up. But it's called rapturo. And we see all kinds of places in Scripture where it talks about being caught up, being carried away, that he will send his angels to reap the harvest. And I know, hasn't every, every generation thought the rapture was imminent? True. True, but you know what? Isn't it best to be prepared for something? We, we have fire drills in schools and businesses. The likelihood of a fire happening on any given day are pretty slim, but just in case, the idea is to be ready, right? Well, Sir Isaac Newton, and we know him as this scientist and all those things, but he was actually, especially in his latter years, he became quite a theologian as well. And he made this statement, and I thought, this is almost prophetic, he says, about the time of the end, a body of men will be raised up who will turn their attention to the prophecies and insist upon their literal interpretation of them in the midst of much clamor and opposition. Boy, you try, to take it in, you try to take a literal interpretation of the Bible today and see if there's not much clamor and opposition. Jesus went on to say this in Matthew 24. He said, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds and from the end of heaven, from one end of heaven to the other. I was thinking about that. We will see it. When, you know, and I realize God can do anything. God can do something on one hot side of the planet, and if he wants everybody on the other side to see it, he can make that happen. But bear with me for a moment. When else in history have we been technologically to the place that something can happen on one side of the planet and everybody can watch it? He could appear over the Mount of Olives today, and every one of us could tune right in there and watch it as it happens. When else is hit in history has that been the case? 
It's where we're at. We live in this. We're seeing all the things that they were laid out in Scripture that we thought would be, that many thought would be so impossible. But you see today that they are very, very possible. Just a few short years ago, think about this. A few short years ago, I remember seeing, I saw the video clip, and I remember hearing the story that I thought was interesting. We had one of our spy satellites that was up there. We're talking that was so sophisticated, and it was outdated, where it could read a newspaper from space. And it, its orbit had decayed, and it was, it was about to enter into the atmosphere, and certainly they didn't want anybody else to get a hold of the technology. And so for the very first time, we targeted that with a missile... And to make sure it was completely destroyed, they targeted the exact point on it where the fuel tank was. And they exploded it in face with the space with a missile. And for the first time, we had the technology to do that. Think about that. See, we live in a time where there's so much where we can see everything that's going on around the planet. Daniel 12, 4, the prophet Daniel said this. or In his scripture, it said, But you, Daniel, shut up the words of the seal and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Most scholars take run to and fro to mean that we could travel great distances very quickly. I think we're there, guys. Think about this. From the time, I want you to listen to this. From the time God created Adam to today, we're talking somewhere around 6,000 or so years. But it's only in the last 100 plus years that we've advanced so far. Before that, walking, riding an animal, or sailing on a boat were our means of transportation. In just this last roughly a little over a century, we've had vehicles, airplanes, even now ships or that travel space instead of on the ocean. Think about that. Jets that can break Mach 1, and there, there's who knows what else we've got that we don't know about, right? So think about that. Run to and fro. For centuries, Bible scholars interpret it that way. And listen to this. This is what Isaac Newton said. I, before I kind of dug into this, I was like, I didn't realize this guy was, I knew he was smart, but I'm like, he was theologically pretty on it. He said this, he said a new, he talked about the end times. He said a new mode of travel shall be invented in the last days. Knowledge will be so increased that man will be able to travel at a rate of, and get this, he was really stepping out on a limb at this point, 50 miles an hour. <laughs> and he was criticized for making that statement. Yeah, I was thinking, we recently went down, drove down to Galveston for our little uh, anniversary getaway and that that we were going on and and I'll admit there were times that I was doing 80 miles an hour on the highway and people were still going <laughs> I was like okay that's my limit <laughs> but listen to this 
Isaac Newton had his antagonist too, and it was an atheist named Voltaire that said this. He said, Newton thinks that someday men will travel at 50 miles an hour, the poor dotard. Can you imagine knowing that now we have spacecraft that can travel at 20,000 miles per hour? And like I said, who knows what else we have that... But look at this. Many people have pointed the fact and say, well, the Bible can't be real because back in the day, many people said, look, it says that Israel would have to be reestablished as a nation, and that's impossible. Then in 1948, all of a sudden, the impossible became possible. By a miraculous move of God in a place in the world where they were surrounded by people that were against what they stood for, a nation was born. I don't even know if it's still on Netflix or not, but I watched a documentary a few years back called, it was on the whole blood moon thing, but it really was more about the birth of Israel than that. I think they caught up on the title because everybody was talking about that at the point. But it really showed stories and things. You have no idea, unless you've really researched it, how many times those people trying to rebirth that nation were outnumbered like a hundred to one, and all of the sudden the enemy would lay down their weapons and surrender, saying that they saw a vast army of angels gathered around those that were. So don't tell me that God can't do whatever he wants. Because that nation was rebirthed in such a short period of time when everybody said, that's impossible. I could go on. Scripture talks about the Roman Empire, and yet we see the European Union and, and, and that kind of stuff. You know, we hear talk of a cashless society, and boy, we're almost there. How many of you carry much cash anymore? See, I think the whole world senses it. Everywhere we turn, we hear, we hear predictions of end times. I mean, how many things have you seen that are based on the, the whole idea of how this thing ends? There was a little documentary that one of the science channels or whatever had on a couple of years back called Life After People. We see endless predictions of the end. We, we, see, we see all these things. We talk about weather and all those things. You know what? I believe that there is climate change going on. I just don't think it's caused by man. I don't think we're that powerful. Scripture talks about things that would happen in our climate, in our environment at the end times. Shouldn't we, if all this stuff is going on, shouldn't there be something in us that begins to lift our eyes upward? But you think, you know what, maybe it's getting close. But yet we talk about these things so much less today. And, but hadn't we better live a life where we're ready to bolt? So here's what I want you to hold on to, the questions. I got two questions I want you to ask yourself. Are we truly longing for his return? And are we ready to bolt? This morning I want to talk to you about three areas in which I think we should be ready to bolt. We should have a ready soul, a ready heart, and a ready life.
Just think about our soul. I think most of us have a pretty good grasp of this. We understand the idea of salvation. We sing songs about it all the time. I once was lost, now I'm found. You know, how much do we hear about God's grace and mercy just this morning in the songs that were being sung? You know, but I'm afraid, and I've said this many times, I, I, I almost think... Please bear with me that, that we look at salvation a little too much with the idea of that's my contingency plan. That's my fire insurance. As opposed to the gift of God that it truly is. The relationship that it is. Because we want to be covered in case we die. We want to be covered in, you know, in case of his return. But are we truly living? Are we longing for his return? Are we living a life ready to bolt? Because 1 Thessalonians puts it very clear. Verse, chapter 4, verse 6, and he said, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Oh, we don't want to be left behind. We don't want to end up in the other place. So we do our duty. We attend church, and we figure out, how far do I have to go with this stuff to be covered? As I thought about that, my mind went to the rich young ruler in Scripture. Most of you probably know the story. It was a young man that Jesus was teaching, and he approached Jesus because he had on his mind, okay, I want to make sure I'm covered. I want to make sure that, that eternal life is in my future. And so he approached Jesus and he asked an interesting question in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. He says, And behold, a man came to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And so he walks up and he asks this question. And there's a whole exchange that takes place. And Jesus says, Well, it's pretty simple, you know. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know, and he, he goes through a little list of things there. He begins to lay out the things he must do. Oh, I've done those things since I was a young man. Good, there's one thing you like. Go sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Now, am I, was Jesus laying out a case there that was saying all of us have to sell everything we have, all of us have to give it to the poor, all of us have to? No. See, Jesus knows what is the barriers that are between us and him. And this was this man's problem. But as I was looking at this, I've, I've looked at it many times, and, and it never hit me quite like it hit me when I was looking at this yesterday, where it makes a statement, what must I do? Almost as if to say, what is the line of being saved and not saved, what must I do to be just across that line? And I was thinking, how often perhaps we're a little bit like that. Oh, it's easy. We look at the rich young ruler and we say, oh man, that guy blew it. Jesus said, man, go sell all your stuff, give it to the poor, and follow me. You know, there was 12 other guys that Jesus made that same kind of offer. Hey, come follow me. 
See, we don't know what the guy's name was. I've often wondered, had he done what Jesus asked, would we know his name? Had he done what Jesus asked, would there have been a book in the Bible with his name on it? Or would he have been listed among the disciples of Jesus? Yet the Bible says that he looked at his stuff in his mind and walked away sad. Because I believe the context in Scripture shows us that he just wanted to know what he must do. He wasn't interested in selling out. And we rag on him for that. And I've often wondered... But how much like him can we be at times? Then we get so caught up in our stuff. We get so caught up in, in, in our existence and getting by and doing the things. And trust me, I want to be comfortable. I want to enjoy this life too. I, I, you know, There are things that we want. I'm not saying that I'm above the fray in some fashion. But I'm just saying we all can be a little guilty of this at times of looking around and saying, but I want this, I've got this to do and these things. And, and whenever the call comes to sell out for him or to go above and beyond to help advance the kingdom to do things, we back up and say, but what must I do? Instead of saying, man, I'm ready to commit to the cause. I'm ready to step out. Are we really, do we really have a ready soul? See, we live in the greatest, wealthiest country this world has ever seen. And I think sometimes that makes it hard for us to get our eyes off of the stuff here and really get our eyes on heaven. That we say, what must I do? See, but God wants more from us. God deserves more. Are we ready to bolt, are we longing for his return? Which leads to my next thought, a ready heart. And I ask myself this question. <clears throat> Am I longing for his return? Not just, that'll be cool when that happens. I, go, I hope I go out with the first load. Then I don't have to go through tribulation and all that stuff. But am I longing? Is there ever time I, I, in my prayer time, like, oh, Lord, just come on now? Have you ever had one of those moments that you almost feel like you're closer to his house than yours? There needs to be a longing. Jesus talking to Matthew 24, verse 12 and 13 said, And because of lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. <clears throat> you know, Scripture tells us that we're supposed to be like the bride waiting for her bridegroom. Now, I don't know about you. If yours was a different situation, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I remember I was the bridegroom. I was on the other side of it. I was counting the days. I could tell you at any given moment how many days were left and almost how many hours. Because I was looking for that day. Are we longing for his return? Are we that bridegroom that is waiting with anticipation? 
that I may be going through this stuff here, this, I, this, this life, you know, it, it may be okay, but one of these days... One of these days, the trumpet's going to sound. One of these days, I'm going to be caught up to be with him. One of these days, he's coming back to get me. And it's going to be glorious. Or is it really going to be, what was that today? I'm not quite ready. Lord, I've got, I've got some things I still want to get accomplished here. Not, just, just hold this off for a little bit. Because i got things I want to do in life. Lord, when I'm, when I'm older and I've experienced all these things and, and my life is kind of dried up and I'm on my way downhill, then you can come back then. Are we longing for his return today? Is our love for him today? Are we ready to bolt today? See, we're supposed to be longing for that. You know, maybe maybe it's because we haven't gazed into his eyes. We haven't truly felt like today. I thought that was so interesting. This was my subject matter. And right on the end of worship, we felt that love that was in the room. Shouldn't there be a longing? John Donne, which was a 17th century poet and cleric for the Church of England, said this, I shall see the Son of God, the Son of glory, and shine myself as the sun shines. I shall be united to the ancient of days, to God himself, who had no morning, never begun. No man ever saw God and lived, and yet I shall not live till I see God, and when I have seen him, I shall never die. Do you catch that longing that's there? That desire? I mean... Yeah, I'm not amazed when it happens, but I just don't believe in dictating everything that our worship team does, or that. And and I'm always amazed every week they capture the songs that God leads them to pick out that captures exactly what I'm talking about. I mean that song, one hundred billion times. Does that not capture this right here? See, the truth is, I don't think we realize how homesick for Eden we truly are. I've said this many times. I think it's written somewhere down in our DNA, even though we didn't personally experience We know that somehow we lost something. We know that there's something that is missing. And, and we're, we're hungry for that. And it's interesting to me how that our existence here on this earth, we do everything we can to make, to make this life as much like that as we possibly can. But we don't have to worry about things. The only problem is we continue to try to do it without putting him first. We want to leave him out of the picture. We 
We have this view of heaven as being less than it really is. Jesus tried to paint a picture for us, and there's so much, you know, if you, boy, you ever get a chance, do a little study on heaven and what, what scripture tells us is there. It is not some misty, out of focus existence like you see on the stinking TV shows. John 12, 2 through 4, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And then it was said, but Lord, we don't know the way. And Jesus responds, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. So if you know him, you know the way. See, it's going to be a place of beauty. It's going to be a place of joy. It's going to be beyond what we can imagine. There is nothing we can create here. There is nothing we can look forward to. There's nothing that, that would be worth saying, can we put this return thing on hold? Every single one of us ought to be longing for that day for him to return. Are we truly longing for that return? Are we ready to bolt? Yeah, this thought. Kim loves to watch HGTV shows and all this. I mean, she probably has more remodeled houses logged in her brain than... Now, sometimes, every now and then, I'll, I'll, I'll catch a glimpse of, as I'm doing other stuff, I'll catch a glimpse of what the house looks like, and, and, and there's part of me that's like, okay, kind of, you know, if I can watch just the little before and after shots... What it was and what it is, and them going, ooh, ah, I'm done, I'm good. I don't need all the drama in between. But is it? But the picture I want to paint here, isn't it amazing, though? There is something cool about watching when they know what their home was like. Then all of a sudden they step into the new home for the first time. The drop jaws, the wide eyes that I had no idea it was going to be like this. I think you're all probably ahead of me. And we do our best to make this nice and livable where we're at in this world we're in and all of these things that we're a part of. It's like, well, Lord, you know, I, I'm kind of busy with this. I'm trying to, man, I've got this to do. I've got to make this better. I've got to do that thing. And then I understand we all have to do that stuff. But I'm telling you, we should be longing for that, for that return because when the day comes and we step into what he's prepared for us. See, I just happen to believe that, that what he has prepared for us, he knows us well enough. He knows our likes and dis dislikes. He knows what, we're, what kind of decor and things we're going to want in our little spot. That we don't, I just believe we're going to step in and that's revealed to us. And like, oh my goodness. Lord, you outdid yourself. 
I never would have dreamed this is where I'd be. So why aren't we living more ready to bolt? Why are we living more ready to go? There should be something about us that daydreams of the day when all the cares of this world are gone. There should be something about us that, that you know, we all have those fleeting moments of joy. We have those things where, where something happens. And you know, you're going through, maybe you're, maybe you're having a bad day. The other, I, I had a day the other day that just things weren't going right. All of a sudden, I got back-to-back phone calls that just lifted my spirits. And for that window of time, I was, man, I was full of joy. It's like, whoo! But can you imagine an existence, an eternity like that magnified 100,000 times, 100 billion times? Lastly, a ready life. Living with your bags packed. Can you imagine if we were prepared? First Corinthians fifteen fifty two says in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Finally, every one of us will have a perfect body. We'll get to go to the wedding supper of the Lamb and we won't have to worry about our waistline. But in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, I looked it up. Lightning travels somewhere between 60,000 and 90,000 miles per second. The blinking or a twinkling of an eye is between three-tenths and four-tenths of a second. And somehow, I want you to get this. Scripture describes that somehow many of us or living our lives thinking, well, I'm not quite ready to go now, but as I see the time coming, I'm going to get ready. And, you know, I don't think in, in, in 90,000 miles per second, I don't think in three quarters or four tenths or three tenths or four tenths of a second, you're going to have time to get it ready. Scripture says that he's going to come like a thief in the night when you least expect it. I don't think any of us live in a neighborhood where we've got a very gentlemanly thief that lives there that's going to post a note on your door that said, I'm going to come by and rob you tomorrow morning at 2 a.m. If you can have all your valuables collected and sit in one, lo- one convenient location, I will be by and pick them up at 2 a.m. Signed, your friendly neighborhood thief. No. And we don't know when he's going to turn, return. We do know this. It's going to be in the flash and twinkling of an eye. And it says we can know the season. We can look at the signs of the times. Well, as I laid out at the beginning, we see the signs of the time. And if your bags aren't packed ready to go, you might ought to think about getting your bags packed and ready to go. Because it's going to happen. Man. Jesus goes on and tells a parable in Matthew 25. 
verse 1 or 2 says, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. It's the whole story that Jesus is telling in parable form. There's a bridegroom that's preparing to come and give his bride. And we may say, oh, but that's been talked about it for years. It hasn't happened. If you notice, Jesus even puts into his parable story that the groom was delayed in coming. In other words, he was putting out there that it's going to be a while. And if we get lulled to sleep, if we're not ready, see, some of the virgins that were waiting for the wedding party, they, they were smart enough, like, you know what, I'm going to take some extra oil with me just in case. I'm going to make sure I'm prepared in case this happens so that when he does come, I won't get caught in a bad situation. But five of them didn't. And then when they were running out, oh, I better go get some real quick. And then while they were gone... He returned. And they were left on the outside. They missed out. It's pretty clear. Like a thief in the night, when we least expect it. You know, we go on a trip. We went to Cozumel for our anniversary and we had to make sure we had to make sure we had our passports ready we had to make sure we had money for the trip you know and if if so I was thinking about this if somebody was even looking at our spending habits on our debit card leading up to that you would see very clear preparation for this oh I'm going to get in trouble here but I won't say it anyway somebody were to look at your bank account would there be any signs that you're preparing for his return would there any be any signs that you're helping not only his church be ready but that the church would be able to reach other people so they would be ready See, it's all part of it. It's so easy for us to get so caught up in our own stuff that we cease to look at the bigger picture. That we're not really prepared. We're not living our life as if it could happen any moment. Because we should be helping others to get prepared. We should live life ready to bolt. So I close this morning. I want us to ask three questions to ourselves. Two main questions are this. Are you truly longing for his return? Yeah, I was raised in this thing my whole life. I can't stand here and tell you that I served Christ my whole life. Because I had moments when I definitely was not. 
even though I never doubted the truth of it, I had moments that I wasn't. <clears throat> I grew up hearing a lot of sermons on the rapture. It was kind of funny. I was thinking about this. I remember many times I could gauge where I was with Christ by how that sermon hit me. So it was Sundays that Pastor Sipes, I remember, would stand up and he'd be preaching fire and brimstone about the about the returning of Christ and the rapture. And I'd be sitting there and there were some Sundays I was like, yeah. And there was some Sundays like, ooh, that's kind of scary. And I could almost gauge where I was with him by how, that's, how that sermon would hit me when it would come around. I was like, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm ready to go. Or, ooh, I hope it's not today. So I want to ask you that question. Are you ready? Do you have a ready soul? I mean, that needs, you need to, you need to, we don't need to blow past that. You need to ask yourself that question. Is my soul ready? If today was the day, is my soul Is there something that says, you know what? There's no doubt in my mind if it happened today, I'd be out of here. But if there's some doubt, if there's something in your life, oh, I don't think so. I've been chasing after other things. I've got other things that I've put in priority over being ready for his return. I want you to know that I'm telling you this this morning, not because of condemnation. I'm telling you this because I love you, because I want, you know, everybody here, you're the people that I want to spend eternity with. And only you can answer that question. ready am I truly longing for it why don't you just bow your heads for just a moment because my goal is not to embarrass anybody this is a very very personal thing but I want to know if there's anybody here if you were honest with yourself you'd say I'm not ready this conversation about the idea that he could return in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at any moment, when I least expect, least expected, that's a little frightening to me. You know what? Right now, this morning, we can change that feeling to joy. We can change that doubt to assurance. And all it takes is right now you raising a hand 
and saying, that's, that's me, I'm not sure. Would you raise your hand right now if that's you? I'm not sure. Amen. Anybody else? I'm not sure. If that trumpet were to sound today, I'm not sure. I want to get it right now. I want to know that I know that I'm ready. Anybody else? We've got one. Anybody else? All right. I'm going to lead a prayer. I want us all to pray this together because like I said, my goal is not to single anybody out. Would you pray this with me? Lord Jesus, you see who I am today. You see my heart. You know my level of longing. You know whether or not I'm ready. So Jesus, I submit my life to you. All I am, all my stuff, even my sin, I lay it at the foot of the cross. I submit myself to your grace. And I declare from this moment on that you are my Lord, my Savior, and my very best friend. I commit to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's not all. Do we have a ready heart? See, a ready heart, we can be saved, but really not have a heart that's in it. Do you ever reach out to him in longing? Is there ever a part of you, is there there ever a time that you're like, because we can have a head knowledge, we can be saved, but our heart may not all be all in it. I believe that we need to have a ready heart. There should be something in us that just, until he returns, that longs for that time with him. Yeah, I had the privilege of knowing when the wedding date was coming. But the closer it got, the more I had to see her every day. At least make a phone call that might last two hours because there was something there. Let me tell you, that's the kind of relationship Jesus wants with you. I realize we all have busy lives. I Believe it or not, I don't spend hours and hours in a prayer closet somewhere every single day, but I do have my set-aside time It may be 45 minutes, maybe an hour, depending on what's going on. It may be less than that. But I'm telling you, there's worship, there's talking with him that's going on all day long through my day. I pictured as as I'm walking this thing out with him by my side, I may be driving down the road and something hits me, we'll have a short conversation about it. Because there's that longing, there's that heart that wants to be ready. How about a ready ready life? How about a practical side? How can we live ready to bolt? How can we live where 
working to make sure that other people were reached. They were all in. They were not just talking about what must I do, but what can I do? Because I guarantee you, whatever your skill set is, there's a place we have for you that you can help move this thing forward. Need you. Jesus, I ask you to bless these people today. Lord, I thank you for them. I thank you for their hearts and their attitudes. I thank you for your presence of love that has been so real and so rich here today. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to be with us. We ask you to have your way and to touch our lives. Lord, let us walk out. Lord, let us let us leave today with, with a little more of an eye, a little more of an uh, attention pointed heaven, realizing that at any moment, Lord, you could call us to be home with you. Let us let us walk with anticipation of that. Let us walk in joy. Let us live ready to, to bolt. Let us have that, that longing for you. But Lord, while we're walking out this life, Lord, we, we, we're supposed to be in this world. We're not supposed to be of it. But Lord, I pray that you let us live this life knowing that there are others around that we can touch that perhaps something we say, something we can do, can get them to look heavenwardly as well. But we thank you for it, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today.